welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult. We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches. Trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. Please take care for your safety and well-being while you are listening. If the content becomes too much for you to handle, please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it. Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. Hello, Marcy. Hello, Dee. So this week on Umbrella Rebellion, we are going to be continuing our conversation on courtship and dating. Um, Last week, if you haven't seen the episode or listened to it, um, we went over the basic seminar Saturday teachings that kind of related to courtship. It was a lot of information. I was not expecting it to be that much or for us to have as witty of commentary to go along with it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you haven't checked that one out, I definitely suggest that you go and check out the last episode so you can kind of get up to speed on uh, what we're covering and the teachings associated with the stories we're going to be telling. With that, there was a few pages that we did miss and we want to at least address it because it's teachings that were offered, but we don't want to spend too much time on that today. So I am going to share and we are just going to kind of go over it real quick. Last week, if you remember, we stopped at the definition of courtship and the definition of engagement. And uh, I love that the man has to be qualified, (laughs) but the daughter doesn't. And it's a proposed love, not actual love. That's that was my favorite. So then they have this story. I don't know what it, what that story is about, and not interested. And then he Gothard teaches about the rewards of courtship. Um, gives new freedom in friendships because there's I guess no pressure for relationships. You avoid envy and jealousy. Allows dedication to please the Lord. The whole you know I'm going to remain single thing. Um, promotes self-control and moral purity. Nobody's going to be defiling nobody. (laughs) Provide for objective evaluation. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Eliminates defrauding and bitterness. Um, Bases marriage on God's will. Dating conclusions change. Because like we said last week, the only purpose of dating is for pleasure, not commitment got it and then honor the father's authority we can't forget to throw in loving daddy and keeping him happy (laughs) because that authority thing so Mm -hmm. important right nobody can be their own individual and then there's requirements of courtship i'm glad we're going to address this because i listened to our podcast today and there's something i definitely wanted to mention A life purpose bigger than marriage. What? That makes no sense to me why that's relevant because that's the whole point of courtship is to get married. Right? It doesn't really make sense. Mm -mm. A one man, one woman commitment. And this is what I wanted to say. I realized listening back to it that 
my references towards relationships when I talked about them were about female male relationship opposite gender relationships. I do not hold the same beliefs as these teachings anymore. Um, I do not believe that marriage is only between man and woman. And I wholeheartedly believe love is love and you get to love whoever you want and your beliefs are between you and God and it's none of my business. So in the future, if I'm referring to these teachings and I say that it is in reference to these teachings only, not my own beliefs. So I just wanted to kind of clear that up. So um, anything you want to add to that, Marcy? I would shadow your, what you're saying right there. I would say, yes, absolutely. I'm of the same opinion. I don't hold to those beliefs anymore either. Love is love. All right. So um, then the next point, the requirements of courtship is a restraint of affection. Yeah. Cause you can't hold hands when you're courting, I guess, or go further than that. I don't know. <laughs> a loyalty to parents because it's all circling back to authority mm -hmm. um an ability to deal with infatuations <laughs> repress your feelings in other words <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> you like my little note there i like w your notes <laughs> wtf <laughs> oh my goodness courtship obviously makes you ready for marriage responsibilities and then he gives you an answer to matchmakers. And the song is in my head. Maker, matchmaker, make a match. Okay. We realize this dude's old as the dirt. <laughs> but like matchmakers weren't even a thing when he was a teenager. So like, this... where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I guess anybody who's trying to set you up with somebody, I don't know. And maybe it was a universal word for him. <laughs> so this is his his example of what you should say if somebody's trying to set you up with somebody to date them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your interest in my welfare. Right now, I'm learning to be content as a single person. If I'm not content as a single person, I'll not be fulfilled in marriage. Now, I don't disagree with that. I think that's, you know, actually good life advice. So sometimes you get it right, Mr. Gothard. The way you go about it is very convoluted. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> there is more to this whole teaching for Saturday, but it really isn't relevant to the courtship and dating thing. So we would like to move on to stories. The thing you really came here for was our <laughs> personal experience and oh, advice. <laughs> So let's go in the way back machine. <laughs> I travel back. <laughs> back that truck up. Um, so the beginning of my dating experience was actually not within ATI. As I stated, you know, I joined IBLP and ATI when I was an adult, barely an adult, but still an adult. My, I, I did the whole teenager dating thing, you know, I mean, I think I was 12 when I had my first boyfriend. I mean, it was, you know, I like you, you like me, let's date and, you know, kissed at recess. I don't, it was, yeah, I was boy crazy. <laughs> so, and then I had mentioned that I had like one serious relationship 
um, right before I went into the Air Force. I had actually had another serious relationship, and it was a very traumatic and traumatizing relationship for me. <laughs> he was the reason that I snuck out of my house when I was 16 and got a cab and went to uptown New Orleans in the middle of the night in not the safest neighborhood. I was dumb. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> Most teenagers are. <laughs> He was the bad boy that I dated. So that relationship was very traumatizing to me. He was not a kind person, did not treat me well, and just led to a lot of, hmm, a lot of confusion about myself, I, I would say, you know, and in and, and relationships in general, like just not understanding how they're supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my parents were aware of the relationship. They knew I was sneaking out of the house. They just couldn't catch me. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> they did not like him. My dog didn't like him. Should have, should have known. Um, you listen to the dog. <laughs> yes. The dogs always know. Like, they know. while my parents did not like them, they weren't really giving me solid advice how to work relationships. Now, granted, my parents met as teenagers. Um, they had children very early. They were married. They basically raised each other while they were raising kids. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know that they really knew about healthy relationships themselves mm -hmm. to be able to teach us that. So I don't know that that was something that they could have done. Okay. The... The relationship before I went to the Air Force was like my first introduction to a semi-healthy relationship. We were teenagers still, so it wasn't like something I expected to end in marriage. I mean, like, of course, I'd always hoped that I would, you know, find the love of my life and we would get married and, you know, right off into the sunset because that's what all teenager girls think. That, uh, anyway, that I think, that I know of. Um, <clears throat> I realize that not all girls think that, but. <laughs> that was I, my I did. <laughs> yeah. waiting for my prince charming and all that so um you know and it was just a plethora of plethora yes i went through many many men no <laughs> um just casual relationships i i went to korea there were you know unfortunately men who did not disclose the fact that they were married. I got into a relationship with two of them. Um, that was pretty devastating for me. Number one, I didn't want to be a homewrecker. So not having that choice. And then I grew to, to, to really care for them. And it was a hard choice to not be in that relationship when I didn't have to look at the wife in the face or I could basically pretend like she didn't exist because she was on another continent. When I came back from Korea is when I found the fundamental church. And so backtrack a little bit before I went into the Air Force is when I was introduced into the basic seminar. And so at that point, I had decided that I was going to try to do the courtship thing, but there was nobody in my experience in my circle of connections that was remotely fundamental in their beliefs so it um 
there was nobody that was of like mind for me to even get into a relationship with. So I felt like it was futile. So, and then my mom had a baby, my grandfather had a stroke, my cousin died all in the same year. And I was just kind of like, you know, I was on the other side of the world for my family and all of that stuff was going on. And I just, through all that, it was just like this constant, like, I want to do better, but I can't do better kind of thing. And then um, when I came back from Korea, I went to the fundamental church and kind of like decided to stay single, got involved with one person. But, you know, after that whole thing fizzled out, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to wait for the guy, blah, 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 blah. It's very lonely. I am a very people person. And I don't think there was a whole long period of time where I didn't have a quote unquote relationship from the time I was 12 to the time I was what, 21 at the time. So it was like, at some point, I was in some type of relationship from a majority of that time period. <clears throat> there was, you know, here and there, I would go a couple months, maybe, you know, six months at max probably between relationships so i wanted to do it different because what i was doing was not yielding the results i thought i wanted which was marriage and kids and all that and i was 21 and i was getting older and i wanted to have babies and you know <laughs> <laughs> because 21 is so old to, you know right to have babies <laughs> right. like if i don't get that started soon yes um so then i was there i was in florida when when i was in the ifb came home and it was like there was just nobody interested you know, and it's like, I almost felt like because I had a past, because I was in the Air Force, because I didn't fit the IFB mold, I didn't grow up in the church, you know, I was this tarnished, tainted woman, and I wasn't what other people would want. And so I was overlooked, or just nobody liked my personality. I don't know which one it was, but you know, there was just nobody interested, which was weird for me. Because prior to that, you know, let's just be honest, I had a lot of attention to me towards me all the time because by the time I was in eighth grade, I was a double D. <laughs> so, you know, little boys are like boobies. Who? <laughs> you <Yes>. know, so <laughs> I always had attention. So it was really weird to not even have anybody like interested in getting to know me. Um, I had a few good friends. One um, was the husband of one of my good friends and then his best friend we were kind of all would hang out together but he had a girlfriend so it you know um but like he was my closest male friend at the time and we grew up we grew to be like brother sister kind of relationship but other than that there was nobody i mean when you're in the fundamental churches they're so small the choices are not there yes and you don't want to be unequally yoked right mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. they say um and so you don't want to date outside of your religion and so you limit yourself a lot to partners <sighs> so i kind of this is the stupidest thing in the world i would pray and i would be like okay god when 
the right person comes along, I'm going to know it because, you know, I have this certain thing that I have to disclose to people I'm going to be in a relationship with and they're going to accept me even when I have to disclose a certain thing. I prayed and I, I just prayed, you know, the person that's right for me would accept this, blah, blah, blah. So I go to headquarters, don't find anybody. I am not headquarters type. I am not the godly woman that any of those little boys were looking for. <laughs> the only one I probably would have like, if, if they were rebellious, I probably would have attracted them. But I don't think a single one of them had a rebellious bone in their body. <laughs> very few <laughs> and if they were rebellious it wasn't to that extent <laughs> yeah no not to that extent <laughs> so um then I came back home and went to that Christmas party met my ex-husband so this is the courtship story so I met my ex-husband and I told him that I wanted to court I didn't want to date I wanted to do it the right way get to know him have him get to know my parents because everybody that I dated, my parents didn't like. And I was like, well, they say in this teaching that if your parents approve, then it's a good match. And I was like, well, maybe this will keep me from making a bad mistake. Mm -hmm. So, but I had also made a vow at the counseling seminar to be single for, I think, two years or something like that. Mm. So met him he was interested in me so i was like well it's the first guy that's been interested in me since i dedicated my life to god this maybe this is it so we talked i mean we, we really got along well at first um we had all of the same ideas and goals for life and i didn't know much about his past so when i was in florida the circle of churches that I went to were part of the Pensacola Bible Institute, Dr. Ruckman. Mm -hmm. And we would go to Pensacola for the big blowout every year. And so I met a couple of people there and I don't remember how it happened, but somebody had heard that I was engaged to my ex. She wrote me a letter and mailed it to me. Wow. And warned me. Oh. But I thought he had told me all of his history. Yeah. And so I knew that he had been engaged twice and it got called off. And yeah. so red flag number one and red flag number two, he was gauged twice to fundamental girls and it got called off. And number two, my friend knew one of those girls and tried to warn me, but she didn't give me details, which uh -huh. I, I wouldn't expect anybody to give me details about somebody else's story. So, but it's like, I didn't know the extent of the severity of the issue. So when I disclosed this thing to my ex-husband, he accepted it. But the way he accepted it was, well, I'll be ruined if I marry you. And I won't be able to be with anybody else after that. Because that makes sense with marriage? Like, what? Right. Like, 
the whole point is for us to be married forever, but you're going to be ruined by me if. Right. And you're supposed to be, he's supposed to be faithful to you. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> wow. That really tells you where his mindset was. Yes. And it just, and at the time I just was like, well, that was weird. Mm -hmm. Huh? But I should have ran. I should have ran at that moment because that wasn't full acceptance. That was conditional. Yes. You yes. know, well, I'll, you know, and it's like, look, just take some time. Think about it. It's a really big commitment, right? Okay. So then I searched and searched scriptures and so did he about whether this was right. And I was like, well, in order for me to marry him, because courtship's not supposed to be long, I have to break my vow. And so I searched scriptures for a week until I found something conveniently to break my vow. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. It was in the Old Testament. So I'm like, I just pulled something right out my ass. I'll be honest with you, because this is what I wanted. And this is what I thought God wanted, because he, you know, semi sort of accepted the thing that I said, if this is your will, God, then obviously they're going to accept this but mm -hmm. yeah i didn't understand acceptance the way i do now <laughs> funny funny how our view of acceptance uh was skewed then and um it didn't raise a red flag for us then but it really right. doesn't it really those things that really don't raise flags because a lot of our the things a lot of our relationships in our lives were conditional mm-hmm so yeah. for something else to be conditional or not fully acceptance, not full acceptance with no hesitation is, was not un, unnatural for us to experience. So, right. and then, so we're moving forward into possibly getting engaged. And I think a month later we were engaged, like, no, I think it was, oh, it was April 15th. That's right. It was tax day. The only reason I know that is because usually on tax day or the April 16th, was it April? It must've been April 16th. Cause usually that day, a friend of mine and her mom would go out and celebrate because she was an accountant. Ah. Was a CPA. <laughs> and so when tax season was over on the 16th, we would a couple of years in a row, we all went and out, did something fun. So that year I didn't go because we had plans and that was for him to propose to me in the Denny's parking lot. Ah, how very romantic. <laughs> because that's where we stood and talked for hours one night after a revival meeting. Oh dear heavens. <laughs> that's so sad. And my brother was there to chaperone. Oh, of course. Of course. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He said that was the awkwardest thing in the world. And oh like, yes, chaperoning is the awkwardest thing in the world. I've done it. <laughs> Not so, for a proposal, though. That would be really, really awkward. So he he blindfolded me and put me in the car and drove around to try and confuse me about where we were going. And that's where we end up. And I thought it was so, you know, so adorable that he picked the. I'm like, there was only so many spots we could be. In the three months that we knew each other. Mm. So it was just like, ugh. Ugh. 
I was highly disappointed. I was highly disappointed even then. Yeah. But I was like trying to make it sound romantic by like, you know, telling the story. And I felt like, you know, the story, you know, made it all, you know, good, but it was dumb. So, um, and then we picked a date and it was basically six months, almost to the day that we met during the whole wedding preparation sometime we were in the car and he was in the back seat with my little sister who was let's see this was 2003 she must have been three or four three at the time she bit him he bit her back oh oh my gosh yes yes and that was like red flag number like three or four at that point. And I was just like, well, he hasn't been around a whole lot of babies. He really doesn't understand, you know, like discipline and stuff. And, you know, his parents weren't the greatest parents in the world. And, you know, they were very um, poor and un uneducated. And so it's like, I don't really I think he was just kind of left to his own devices a lot. <clears throat> So I just excused it. I excused it because he didn't have experience. Um, but that was, that was a telltale sign of how he was going to parent. And if you are, if you are in a relationship and you are not married yet, or even if in your relationship and you are married yet, and your partner retaliates against a small child in the same manner in which they harmed them, they're the adult. They're they can't do that. That is not okay. If you see that, it's a problem. Don't excuse the behavior. Yeah. Um, and my mom didn't make a big deal out of it either. Hmm. That I can recall. She may have. I just don't remember it being a big deal. Mm -hmm. So, um, so after that, we got married and we... So we um, we definitely did not stay pure before marriage. So we had actually set the date for, I think, a year. And then he pressured me to move the date up because we had already had sex. Because we were already married in the, the eyes of God. Like, yes. we had kind of discussed in the last episode that, you know, once you consummate, you're married in the eyes of God, whether you're married in the eyes of the state or not. So, Yeah. I kind of had forgotten that about that story. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's 2003 when we got married. So yeah, after that, um, that was, that was my courtship story. Mm -hmm. And then um, after I left my ex-husband, I was single for like five years. Um, I got into a, um, quasi relationship with somebody it was kind of like while my kids are gone we see each other but when my kids are around he, he didn't come around um I learned a lot from that relationship he taught me a lot about acceptance and being true to myself um I learned a lot about myself I feel like it prepared me for a healthy relationship which was my husband after that <laughs> <laughs> Um, my goal when I left, um, and it's not like I didn't try to date after I left, but I had 
When I left, I had a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-month-old. Yeah. That's, that's so, little itty bitties. And I was working full time and, you know, one of my kids is on the spectrum. So putting them in school, they were homeschooled prior for a whole year. Um, but it was like that transition into public school and all of the things with the the divorce and the back and forth. And it was it was a lot of stuff I was dealing with. Um, so I would get on a dating app here and there because there was absolutely no way for me to meet anybody other than at work. Um, all of my friends were either married and their friends were married. And so there was really no single guys my age. So did the whole single thing, went on a date here and there. And I was like, eh, I don't like you. <laughs> eh, I don't like you. You know, you, you're too needy. I, I have enough neediness in my life. I can't fulfill your needs. I need somebody. Three small children will, will get you over neediness really fast. Yes. Yeah. Like, you have to be self-sufficient and not need a thing from me except for when I'm available. If you yeah. can't deal with that, it's not going to work. And there was not too many people out there that could do that. So after this other quasi relationship ended and I learned a lot about myself and kind of, and I realized that I couldn't live two different lives. So it went on for like two years or a year, a year or two. I think it might've been two. I just couldn't live two lives where my romantic life was separate from my children and he had no desire to be involved in my children's lives, which I completely respect. So dating after the cult, because by the time that happened, the, the quasi relationship happened, I was completely out of the cult. I was completely out of, I, well, yeah, it was kind of like the catalyst into being outside of IFB is because it's like, I'm never going to have sex again because I'm never going to meet a man in the IFB. And that's basically why I started seeing this guy is because I had an urge, I had a scratch, and it needed to be itched. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I am not sorry about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was like three, four years, like nothing, no physical contact whatsoever. And after you've been married and have had three kids, you can't go back from that. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, I, and it's not like I was fulfilled in my marriage with the physical or the emotional intimacy at all. It's just, it was always there. So it was really hard not to have it. So anyway, I had a scratch. I itched it. It worked. <laughs> yes. And then after that ended, um, I was on the dating app again and met my husband well I went through so many frogs oh my gosh there um, are so many frogs oh so oh. five years of off and on being on dating apps so anybody that's on dating apps I understand never ever I did tinder once I'm sorry but if it's not unsolicited do not send me a picture of your member <laughs> As Mr. Gothard would call it. <laughs> yes. So many unsolicited oh. pics. Sorry, yeah. Richard. I really don't want to see it. <laughs> um, so I was like, delete. I'm done. It's just like, you know, that's not what I'm here for. I mean, it is, but not really. Like, not unsolicited, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Some kind of consent there. <laughs> right? Like, would you like? Yeah. No. 
okay respect yeah. you know exactly. like i know people like willy-nilly <laughs> share those things <laughs> see what it did there <laughs> yes. Yes. and i wasn't one of those people <laughs> yes yeah so anybody that is out there in the dating world and i know it's a completely different world in the pandemic but you know it took a really long time for me to find someone that i connected with that i felt was emotionally stable he was done having kids i was done having kids a lot of the time it was either they didn't have any kids and they were in their early 30s or mid 30s and they were wanting to have kids and i'm like nope i have to date you for two to three years before i even consider that and i'm not sure i want any more because starting over at this point i did it once after six years really don't want to do it again that was hard (laughs) so and then it was like or they were older gentlemen that didn't have little kids and so taking care of little kids was not what they wanted so it was a lot of mismatch in like where we were in life as opposed to where we wanted to be in life you know that kind of thing yeah different Mm -hmm. yeah different phases so then I found the man with three boys and I had the three boys and <laughs> Brady Bunch. Yep. <laughs> the boy Brady Bunch. And uh he was willing to put up with mine and I was willing to put up with his. So mm-hmm. we did get married very quickly as well. But that was at the prompting of my mother. <laughs> we yeah, had a three parent approved. <laughs> I was like, oh, my parents like him. I can totally marry him now. (laughs) So, um, but you know, it's like, I, I knew when I met him, he was different, you know, and I, and I, he's not a perfect person and neither am I, Mm -hmm. but we always had complete, honest and open communication from day one. Mm -hmm. And we had clear expectations. We did have a three to five year plan condensed it into six months <laughs> at least you had a plan i mean <laughs> it, it was like you know this is really hard like it's really hard to maintain two houses and figure out where we're gonna have dinner and cook in two different houses and you know we pretty much went on a date and i think there was only one day that we weren't together after that mm-hmm. so and it was just like we just craved being together and enjoyed it like I had never met anybody that I enjoyed being around that much. Like usually I would get tired of them and be like, okay, you need to go home. Mm. And I was like, please don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Stay right here. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I never had anybody that could match my level of interest and he did. Mm-hmm. So, and we have a very good match in our, you know, level of physical intimacy that we like. And we have, you know, good match and emotional intimacy so um so that's it's hard hard to find all those facets it 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 is is. Mm -hmm. and i did have a checklist (laughs) and on that checklist was number one he had to be a father number two he had to be done with having kids or at least willing to wait several years before having any more but oh wait by the time that i had met jeremy i had made sure i was done so oh. yeah, he had to be done. He had to be done because I had had the surgery to make sure that I was done. <laughs> I did not want any surprises. <laughs> so um, I uh, 
so so i was done so they had to be done as well um and he was done after his last one so we were both done (laughs) (laughs) that worked it matched yes it did and then the other thing was he had to at least be willing to cook Mm. (laughs) (laughs) because i spent so much time cooking from the time that the kids were infants until that point and i was just i was so over it (laughs) i hate cooking it is my least favorite thing to do in the world so i will do it if i have to and i'm capable it may not be the best tasting thing but yeah so um yeah and he cooked and he cleaned and he single parented and he had his kids like 50 50 and so it was like okay all right i think I think you, yep, yep, you, yep. all the, all the check marks are there. Tick, tick. <laughs> the only thing that I did not have on that checklist was independent, fundamental, Baptist, anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was a no red flag, not happening. Yes. <laughs> that was the not list. That yes. Was- that was the do not date if. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. So that's my stories. Very cool. Very cool. I enjoyed hearing that. Some of it I had I knew and some of it I did not. So that was awesome. Cool. So, uh, so Marcy, tell us your experience with dating. Um, okay. So let me think. Um, so since I grew up in the in the cult from five or six, I always the teaching. Uh, about courtship came out what when they started ATI so this was always the plan for me so that was dating was never an option it was never taught we didn't talk about it we didn't watch movies with it in it um <clears throat> it's a foreign concept to you almost huh it was a foreign concept to me it really was I mean I knew my parents dated um but we got very very few stories out of that and and the ones that we did were oh we met at a bible study which they did I mean they met at a bible study and they dated for a little while and then they got married so that's all I really knew. Um, so I think that probably my, I just assumed that God would bring him to me because that was what was taught, right? God, if it was God's will, then he would dump him in my lap or or we would cross paths somehow. It would be divinely ordained. Um, but we, we went to a very small church. Um, I had maybe two other girls there my age and maybe three other guys. And the church got a little bit bigger as I was, an older teen, but still not very, the, the girls outnumbered the guys by three to one. So (laughs) there just weren't very many opportunities there. There were no options (laughs) and there was no interest because, um, they, they had, he had other interests elsewhere. So, um, I eventually got to, you know, 18 to graduation and, um, went to headquarters and, you know, obviously thought maybe I would meet someone there because, you know, bigger pool, more fish in the sea. Right. Um, so, but there wasn't ever any interest there either. So, or, or I did not know when it was being mm-hmm. shown because since I didn't know dating and since I wasn't around people that dated and I didn't, I mean, we were very isolated. So we were either at home or we were at church and that was it. 
um, we did some homeschooling groups and we did travel other places a lot, but we still didn't have a lot of contact with people where we could learn those social skills. So I didn't, I didn't know how to flirt. I didn't know when I was being flirted with. (laughs) So I, um, I have a funny memory from my dad. So I must've come home talking about the guys at headquarters or something like that. And he said, Marcy, it's okay to talk to them. You don't have to be afraid of them. You can talk to them. So that was my level of um, where my fear factor went in with with interactions with guys. Um, Also, you could get sent home from headquarters for even talking to a guy too long. Like if he came by your desk too many times or you stayed and had too long of a conversation with him, then you were sent home. So it was uh, always taboo and and don't even give even the hint of, unrighteousness by talking to him too long um i'm just rolling my eyes yes uh, yeah it's just yeah so i and me being the goody two shoes that i was <laughs> and also right. very big pe- people pleaser i am i always try to do 110 percent what i was supposed to do and so i i veered on way on the side of safety with that oh right as we discussed in other you know, podcast, it was the fear factor of not only disappointing your parents, getting sent home, but also that God ju- God's judgment could be upon you if you did anything wrong. Right. And if you got hit, sent home from, from headquarters, you knew you were going to get judged by God too. Yes. And I, I mean, as far as I was concerned, I figured God would bring him across my path and something would work out. And um, since I couldn't make a move, since the guy had to make the move to go to my dad and ask my dad first, I couldn't show interest, then there wasn't any, there wasn't a way for me to even, you know, engage in it at all. I had to wait for them to go to my dad. Well, nobody ever did that I'm aware of. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure he probably would have at least told you. I think my dad would have told me (laughs) or my mom would have, because she would have known. I don't think that would have that my, I don't think my mom could have kept that kind of a secret. Um, So I went to headquarters, was up there for four years, came back very, very, very broken and very depressed because I had seen, seen the dark side of of that. And I had started walking away. Um, I did chaperone a a couple while we we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, They had permission from both sides, but um, I was just there to, I don't know, just watch, I guess. I don't know what Make I would have sure done. Make sure they didn't <laughs> off into an alley and do the dirty. I mean, right? Like, what would I have done? I don't even know. Like, oh, oh, your your hands are touching. No hand-holding. No, what you would have done is call their parents and be like, they were naughty. But, but I wouldn't have. Like, that's the thing. They were best friends. I would not have said anything if they had tried to get away with anything. I would have been like, okay, fine. I mean, I'm not didn't see anything. I didn't see nothing. You know, like they wouldn't have gotten in trouble. <laughs> I was the worst person to be a chaperone because I would not have told. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, because they were two close, very close friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but anyhow, um, so when I came home, um, I w- was in a very dark depression there for a while. I tried to go back to church with my family, which was a fundamental church, um, but they had a singles group. And that was something that I hadn't experienced before because um, I went straight out of high school and youth group to headquarters for four years. So when I came home, I was 24. And so this was the first experience with a, a young adult singles group. And yeah, I tried that after i left by x at one church but yeah they were oh, that always, is, yeah <laughs> they're all really young like college students and i was like nope, 
we're in totally different places. This is in Morgan. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How did that work? Um, my, my first experience with dating was, I would, I think it was, kind of, we were kind of set up by someone else. So we had um, several, my roommate was dating someone and um, they were really close friends with this other guy. And they, so they convinced him to start dating me. So he asked, and we only dated for, I don't know, I think maybe a couple months. I don't even remember, but it progressed really, really fast to like, oh, you should get into marriage counseling, which was the first mistake. I don't know why they suggested that, but this older couple in the church said, oh yeah, we'll take you under our wing. We'll, we'll, let, we'll give you marriage counseling. And we'd only been dating a couple months. Um, so I think eventually through that, they, they, they figured out real fast, but we figured out that we, we were not a good match. He was the one that, that, uh, wanted to walk away. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. I was still interested. I, you know, I didn't know what yeah. I was doing. <clears throat> he was a lot older Oh, okay. And, and he was not from a, um, he was not from the cult. So he, he kind of knew more about what he was doing than I did. <laughs> Right. He's like, this person has got so much to deal with. I'm oh, not- yes. Oh, yes. This, this person has, yes, very, very, very naive. I was very naive about everything. Oh, wow. I just had not been in the world much. Mm-hmm. So um, that was my first experience. I was a little heartbroken because I thought, of course, I thought that was the person God had brought for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Got out of headquarters, met this guy at church, you know, at the singles group. What could be worse than that? So about that same time, I um, decided to move out of my parents and move into my own apartment. And um, that that friend of mine that had kind of set us, that had been with that other guy that set us up, yeah, she, she became my roommate. And um, she also broke up with that guy at the same time. So we, we um, became best friends. We were both roommates together in the same apartment. We kind of had a camaraderie there of trying to get out of um, the cult at the same time. And trying to figure out what this thing, life thing was by ourselves, you know. As oh, so she was somebody that was also in ATI. Yes, so she was also okay. in ATI. She had she didn't serve at headquarters, but she served other training centers for a okay. long amount of time. So she had the same background, um, and uh, we both went through that breakup at the same time. We both didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we both didn't know really as adults, even though we were twenty four, we didn't know how to survive, like get jobs and pay bills and balance the ch- checkbook and. Gosh figure out uh, uh, like budget so that we knew that we could cover the rent and the, you know, if we were even making enough at a job to do that. Mm. So we were both learning at the same time. We were both bucking rules because Mm -hmm. both of our families really wanted us to stay at home because that's what a daughter was supposed to do was stay at home. So until she got married. So we were, we were rebels for not being under our parents' authority at home. So, So I'm just thinking about this because um, this is maybe another podcast most likely, but there's the financial peace university or whatever with Bill Gothard. And I guess it just surprises me that financial awareness was not something that you were even taught. Mm -mm. So I think we're going to have to get into that conversation on another podcast. See how this just delves into more and more podcasts because we're like, Hey, what? Okay, it we does. need to explore that. It does. Now, I knew everything there was to know that they taught about debt, not getting into debt, but anything outside of that, I didn't understand or know. Oh, wow. I think my, my my mom might have tried to show me how to balance a checkbook once, but I didn't know how to budget. I didn't know that a $10 an hour job wasn't going to cover the rent that I had at 
mm. where I chose to live. I didn't know I could choose other places or, you mm. know, I, I just didn't know anything. I just wow. jumped out there. So yeah, you're uh, like, here, let me go do this adult thing. I'm yes, not prepared. I, just, yeah, I jumped in and drowned it a little for a while. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, she and I decided that, um, that we, that because we had both dated men in this, in this youth group and that we didn't want to be around them, her, especially because he was being really stupid and, um, and slightly abusive, um, mm. that, that we wanted to go to a different church. So we decided to go to a non-fundamental church together because we were done with that. And so we both just went to like a, a non-denominational Bible believing church and um, got involved in that youth group there. And that was more healthy. That was where I really started to deconstruct the things. Mm-hmm. That was where um, I figured out that I could be friends with guys without it being a bad thing. Right. Um, and at that point, I think I had decided that since I had tried to date that other guy and it didn't work, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm live. Since I'm throwing out everything that the cult taught, we just throw it all out and we'll try dating again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, a few things with that. And then I went to the mission field uh, for a little bit and dated in between there, made some mistakes with those, got used by some people, mm-hmm. came back. And pretty broken for the mission field as well. And still trying to really, I don't think I had deconstructed enough from the cult to be successful on the field. Um, And coming back from that was a way that God really broke me free from a lot of the fear that had been instilled in me. And that, that was key to me being able to grow in faith. Awesome. Um, But through the process of that, I also walked away from the faith for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then um, I got a job and a friend said, well, you should look at these um, the Craigslist because they have really, really funny personal ads. And I was still very, very naive. I didn't know how people met people outside of church. I had only had those two experiences at church. Mm-hmm. So it only dated maybe two people out of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, nothing to only two dating relationships or three. And then, um, and then my friend was talking about the personal ads just because it was funny okay I, so what year was this so that was so i got out of headquarters at 2003 and by the time i got to um my friend in the personal ads that was i would have been 28 or 29 so i was nearing 30 oh wow so okay. i wanted to get married at 18 and i wanted mm-hmm. to have 10 babies and so the all those years of of not having one, anyone and not having any interest at all. And the God not bringing the person just dumping them in my lap type of thing. Um, I got really disillusioned because I wanted babies and I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be married. And so was this around like 2005, six? Yes, it was around okay. 2006. Um, okay. Let's see. No, it would have been 2009. Nine. Okay. 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So 2009 would have been in, when I met my ex. She just said something like, you should, um, I hadn't even been on dating apps. Like I didn't even know how that worked or, and I hadn't tried it yet. I mean, yet. was there any dating apps at that point? I think there was like eHarmony back then. Well, yeah. eHarmony and, and Craigslist. <laughs> eHarmony, <laughs> Craigslist, and there was another one. 
one I of the might really have tried ones. eHarmony for a very, very short time. Um, <clears throat> but I also didn't know what I was doing there either. Um, or how to pick good people or how to flirt with people. Like, I really just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So um, I had only practiced two or three times. <laughs> um, so anyway, she said, you know, you should read these because they're they're ridiculous. They're funny. They're they're absolutely off the wall. Stupid people. You should read them for fun. So I did. And I found one that um, that I thought looked actually interesting. And I was like, oh, this is a curious new way to find people. This Some of these people actually sound interesting. And so I found one that I thought sounded interesting. I mentioned it to her and she said, well, you should, you should respond. And I said, are you nuts? <laughs> this would be the Craigslist murderer that comes after me. Like, I'm not going to do that because I had heard of that. So um, I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, well, I dare you to. You should just reach out. She was trying to push me outside of my safety zone and outside of my boundaries and kind of, uh, she was helping me learn a lot. She was mm -hmm. like a bigger sister to kind of teach me about the world. Mm -hmm. And so I responded and that ended up being my ex-husband and, um, and we dated for, how long did we date? We dated from February to November and, uh, got engaged. So what is that? Seven months. And then we were married by the next May. So a little over a year. So I, I, I'm guessing you were on Facebook at this point because I remember the story of how y'all met. And yeah. I remember you like posting on Facebook, I believe. I might the, have, yeah. The Craigslist ad. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So I think I was on Facebook by then. So okay. yeah. But I was 29 and mm -hmm. I was bound and determined that I was not going to give if this guy was interested, I was not gonna rock the boat at all because I wanted to be married by the time I was 30. Mm-hmm. And I was still a virgin. So um, I wanted to, to not want to be 30 and still a virgin either. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. a thing. <laughs> so, I get that. I get yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So uh, got in huge trouble for moving in with him before um, before we were married. Because we, I think his lease ended, my lease ended uh, right about the same time. And we were engaged, but we weren't um or we were within a month of being engaged, but we weren't married yet. By your parents? Mm -hmm. Yes. So my my parents' large reaction to that um, was going to rent our I family. Mean, I mean, it was it, they were still in ATI at the time, I think, or close to getting out. I don't remember when exactly what year they got out, mm -hmm. but it was going to ruin their reputation. My dad took me out to dinner and told me that we were I was ruining his reputation at church and his and my mother's reputation at church. And that it was, you know, I couldn't do this and couldn't, wasn't there another way that I could do that? And I said, dad, if, if your friends at church judge you based on my behavior and my mistakes, then they aren't truly your friends. If they're judging you like that, like, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and, and putting your reputation at risk because of my behavior, they don't even know me. I don't even go to church with you anymore. They don't even know who I am. And I'm 29 so, years old. And I'm 20 fucking nine years old. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, and had been making my own decisions for quite some time then. And I had already been overseas mm. a couple different times by myself. So, you know, I had, I had learned and grown in my adult a function <laughs> right right yeah like i'm not under your authority father yes. Yes. you don't get to dictate my life we were firmly out of that phase by then yeah. <clears throat> what i didn't know and what i could not i don't know that anyone can know 
a narcissist or know, um, catch those lies that they tell at the beginning. But also I was very naive and very conditioned to believe anything that anybody would say. I mean, why would they tell me a lie? I was Mm -hmm. very naive in that and come to find out later, everything he told me was a lie. So, um, and I didn't, I didn't figure that out till seven years later, (laughs) but so by the time I got to husband, ex-husband, I had maybe had four relationships and none of them lasted more than maybe eight weeks long. And I married him within a year and a half, you know, a year and a half, maybe 16 months. So very, very little inform, like very little learning time, very little very naive still. Um, yeah. I grew, grew up fast with him once I got married. I bet. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. So that was, that was kind of my story. And without yeah. going into the other part of the right. right. So I am, so as far as currently right now, um, after that ended, <laughs> um, and I was a mom of two very small babies. And, um, so when I, when I got out of that abusive situation, my babies were 10 weeks old and under two. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple years before I even thought about um, trying to see what these dating apps were that my sisters were talking about. Right. <laughs> before I could see straight enough, like I was so sure right. I was trying to work as a CNA and I was just exhausted. And I was trying to recover from abu- all the abuse that was still happening and some of that fear of that danger yeah. level that we were at. Right. So safety was paramount then. I wasn't even thinking about dating. So I tried a few and went on some dates and found someone and dated them for like um, nine months before he was deployed. And then, then he ended up breaking up with me at, after the, after he got back. So 18 months total, but only nine together. Mm-hmm. Learned a lot out of that. Learned that I was still functioning in some of my old um, abusive re- partner thought processes Mm -hmm. because with my abusive ex I would hide things I would not say Mm. uh, I would not tell people when he was lying or I would you know cover for him Mm -hmm. this same dating person uh, would sometimes do that too and sometimes I would cover for him and sometimes I wouldn't so I hadn't moved completely out of how I functioned that way you were conditioned still I was still still getting out of yeah. Mm-hmm. So you hadn't deconditioned yourself to that, which exactly. takes, which only you can mm-hmm. only do that once you're in a relationship because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, and then you have to be aware that you're doing it and you're like, whoa, yeah. this is not okay. Like, yes. this is what I did and this is the results and oh, whoop, can't go down that road again. Right. So he was my learning thing there too, because then I started seeing what I was doing. So I, mm-hmm. I started seeing, oh, I'm not going to do that for him anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live a very honest and open life. And that's not what I'm doing here. So, so that was learning. And then lots of dogs, you do have to go through so many frogs. I have so many bad date stories. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I wouldn't even get past like two weeks of conversation. I'm like, you're a jackass. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm not getting no. Or you think that they're so great when you're talking to them and then you actually meet them and you're like, where is the person that I was just talking to for the last week or two? Mm-hmm. Like they're not here. <laughs> there you go. Mm, that picture really didn't show your real self. Yes, 
and they were always so shocked that mine did. And they're like, you didn't Photoshop. I'm like, no. <laughs> no filters. No, no filters, no Photoshop. Like that's okay. So anyway. yeah. So just a personal tip from my dating experience on dating apps. If there's any men that are on dating apps, can you please forgo the bathroom pics? We don't yes. need to see you in the mirror. And maybe some people like it. But why do you take selfies in your car all the time? There's so many different backgrounds that are acceptable other than your bathroom. Actually, in your car. This is what you need to do. Hand <laughs> the phone to a friend and let them take your picture. Do not take your own. Either your gay male best friend or a woman. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they won't steer you wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I had a, I had a, I'll tell you a bad date story. I had a guy where he, he must've smoked. He told me he smoked something before he came in. I assumed it was some mild form of weed. It was not mild <laughs> or it didn't affect him mildly at all. Mm. And we get in and he's sitting there talking where we haven't even gotten our food yet. And he is talking faster and faster and faster. Like I can't even understand some of the words coming out of his mouth anymore. Oh, wow. He's talking so like fast. Like salad. Yes. And then he slams his hands down on the table and, and like throws his head into the table, like slams his forehead and is still talking like this. Oh my God. Like he and has I, to brace himself because he's yes, floating so or something. He's still talking. And I, <laughs> it was so sad. I was this, and I start looking around the restaurant because it was packed. It was packed. Yeah. I was yeah. like, somebody help me. Somebody please see what is going on and come and help me. God, I would have walked out I, and been like, I don't know this person. I um, I, I didn't know what to do because I'd never been in a dating situation that was that extreme. So right. I, I said, I have to go to the bathroom. Went and called my mom, my sister who had my children and said, you have to call me and tell me that they're sick. Like in wait, five minutes and call me and tell me my children are sick. <laughs> So that I can lie to this man and get out of this. Yes. <laughs> so by the time by the time she called me, we had made it to we had followed one another to our second uh, destination was which is some comedy club or something like that. And so I said, Well, my kids are sick, I have to leave. And he's like, Oh, are you sure? There was a bunch of other creepy stuff that happened there too. But I got out and I left and he messaged me later and he was like, You're the third person who's who's had sick kids right before the comedy club. Like, I don't understand this at all. Stop <laughs> smoking pot before you go on a date. I don't know. I don't know what it was you smoked, but I don't know what kind of weed it was, but it's definitely not good for you. <laughs> it was no. not a calming thing for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, it ha I'm thinking it was laced with something. It had to be. It yeah. had to be. Because I've never had weed that's affected me in that way before, and I've just smoked weed before. So, um, yeah. Um, okay. That was so, my ex got me into. Oh, yeah. 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 My yeah. ex wanted me to, and I was like, nope. Yeah. Not doing it. I mean, I, I had done it before I went to the Air Force, but once I was in the Air Force, it was not worth the consequences. Yes. To do it. And then it was like after that, I was on the straight and narrow with mm -hmm. my faith. And to me, it wasn't worth the consequences. And it gave me such anxiety to have it in my house. Yes. I was always like, 
I am the only one that can take care of these kids. If yeah. they, if somebody comes to this house and they, if the cops come to this house and they find weed and I go to jail, yes. like I'm not okay with that. I don't, I don't like you risking my freedom. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if it was something we mutually agreed upon, it'd be different, but we yeah. didn't. And I had no yeah. control over it. And that would make me so anxious. Yeah. Um, okay. So with that too, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, bad dating stories. I have two. <laughs> so probably, probably even before my divorce was, was, um, final. Can you hold yep, yep, yep. I saw, I saw feet past my door and I don't like that one. Okay. Okay. I don't know what I saw. I saw hmm. feet. I don't know what I saw. Cause both dogs are sleeping with the girls in the bedroom. Oh, weird. And I walked through the house and it's fine. And they would have been alerting me if something was wrong but it would that was yeah. strange yeah because i saw shadow yep <laughs> actually suspected this house is that it goes for a while but not to get into that but <laughs> pretty certain we have one <laughs> you need to sage that place told him to stop it but you know <laughs> it doesn't listen <laughs> always listen <laughs> Yes, we need to like anoint uh, doorways and windows with oil or something. That helped last time with the last house that had one. Oh, only yeah. That, only that one was that one was not a ghost. That one was an evil presence. Oh, that goodness. one was a tall, dark hooded figure, evil presence. Yes. Yeah, I saw it. My sister saw it. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> That's so scary. I'm I'm never lived with any spirits that I know of. Uh, I think you. I think you have to, I don't know. I tend to be more sensitive about those things. Mm-hmm. I sense them uh, more readily. And I hate too. horror stories too and horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I real life, real crime stuff, totally yeah. get, love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like want to get into the psyche of these monsters and like figure, figure them out. out. Yeah, yeah. Like, why do you do these things? Like, I just don't understand. Like, Oh, so I'm fascinated with real crime. So, um, <laughs> which also makes me very vigilant when I was dating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the second round of dating after my ex. So I learned a lot about human nature and people lying, mm-hmm. lying people and narcissistic mm-hmm. people and went through a lot of counseling. So that, that helped me be much more um, careful about who I dated and and what questions to ask and how to be safe. And also, yeah. just, you know, s- school of, of hard knocks. Hard you, knock. figure it, you figure out, you figure out. I also figure, had figured out who I was by then. Right. Um, That's important. Four, four years out of the cult to figure out who I was outside of that and mm-hmm. even outside of marriage. So, Right. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm sure that you probably experienced something similar in the relationship that you had, but I completely lost myself because I just gave and gave and gave and, you know, our, our training and our teachings is if you give and you're the one that surrenders and you're the one that prays and, you know, we have the whole conversation about how pastors deal with husbands who are not doing what they're supposed to do. We can have a whole podcast on that. Uh You know, I was told I didn't pray enough once. Oh gosh. My husband would stop smoking pot and driving with him all high if I prayed enough. Yeah. Yep. That sounds really familiar with some of the things that I was told as well. 
Um, not necessarily the ex, but uh, um, about other things. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> two dating stories real quick. Yeah. Yes. All right. So before my divorce was final, because it took like two years to get the whole thing done. I was on some dating apps and he had the kids for the weekend and I was talking to some guy and um, he worked in town, but he lived like 20 minutes away. Um, if you're not from here, the direction I was going to say wouldn't make any sense. And he was blind, but he apparently got around on his own for work and everything. So I was like, okay, no big deal. Um, I went to go meet him. And he's like, can you pick me up? And I'm like, oh no, I'm kind of weird. I'm like already on the way. Like he hadn't called me or texted me or something. Uh -huh. and I'm like, I guess. So I like picked him up from his house. We went to a restaurant that was nearby. And then he asked me for a ride home. And that's the whole, I'm sorry, you two are, you're too needy for me. Like if I'm in a relationship, like I... I understand you're blind. You can't drive yourself, right? But I, you live 20 minutes away from me. I have three small children. I work a full-time job. I can't add carting a significant other around to, like, if to go on a date with you, I would have to do all the driving. Like, I'm sorry. I just don't have time for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've, I've called quite a few out because I was just like, I don't have time. Like, well, we can do long distance. I get you can, I can't, and that's no. not fair to you. <laughs> and you, you know, you're gonna get tired of coming to me, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. No, that's not happening. So, and then the other one was this was probably bef like between the um quasi relationship and Jeremy. I was out there dating again, and I was talking to this guy, and he was from Mississippi. And it just, I never had good feelings about it. I always wondered if my ex was on the dating app pretending to be somebody else. Yes. Always. And the fact that he was said he was from Mississippi. We had this, you know, date set. We were going to meet at this restaurant. I arrive and I'm like, you know, hey. And he's like, oh, I'll be there in a minute. 20 minutes goes by. And I'm texting him or messaging him. I may have even called him and... Um, I get a text, you know, oh, I was just in an accident. Wow. Okay. So, and it wasn't like, it, there was no like specifics about the accident. So I didn't know if it was a serious accident, a minor accident, and you're just going to deal with the thing. And like, you know, like, did you bump bumpers and you can still drive? I don't know. Like, are you going to still come to the date? I, I don't know. <laughs> Sat in the restaurant for an hour. Absolutely no response after that. Oh, ever. ever. So you don't know if he was dead or nothing. <laughs> nope. Wow. And I was wow. like, I always suspected it was my ex mm -hmm. that was just trying to see if he can screw up my night by getting and, and letting me down and making me feel the pain of rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So. Because that's the kind of manipulative stuff my ex was capable yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, and was yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So those are my two worst dating <laughs> experiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are some crazy. I have some other crazy ones too. They're 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 crazy. So 
at this point, I'm still dating. So <laughs> single forever may become my uh, motto. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, if, if it wasn't for Jeremy, that was kind of what I was going to do is mm -hmm. just find people to, you know, yeah. scratch itches and then, yeah. you know, yeah. stay single. I, and I, I had told him, I'm like, oh, I had almost gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm not getting married again. Like oh, I will yeah, have a, yeah. I will have a relationship with you. You can live in your house. I can live in my house. We can get together. We're going to have some, you know, we're going to have like, you know, but like once I met Jeremy, I wanted to be with him forever, you know, and all the time. And it was just like, okay, well that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> that plans out the window. I do have a list. I do have a checklist that more or less needs to be, you know, fulfilled, but it's things like, you know, it must like Harry Potter or Star Wars. What are the other? You have yeah. to, because, because I speak movies, like I speak in movie quotes all the time. If you don't understand movies or don't watch them, you will not understand what I am saying to you because that yep. is all I ever do. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and some things like, you know, have to be, obviously my children, because I met and married so late, mm -hmm. um, my children, I had late. And so my babies are small when people, uh, their kids are graduated or out of high school and into college. Whereas my babies are just starting first grade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, cause I didn't have them until 35 and 37. Yeah. So, um, that does make the, like you were talking about the phases of life mm -hmm. that does make the phases of life for me hard to find a partner that is okay with that. And that was, that's actually been a major issue with, yeah. with the last couple of long-term relationships that I've had was they said they were okay with small children and then they weren't. Um, but you know, it it is what it is. You live and you learn. The last yeah. the last relationship was a really healthy one, as far as honesty went and things like that. So it taught me a lot of things. It taught yeah. me more about about people and about relationship. Healthy a healthy one. Yeah. Really, and um, you know what you can put up with and what you can't. And, right. You know. Right. Now I know myself more. Like what I want, what I am willing to do. Or not do, <laughs> right. and, then I can, and then I can survive by myself. Like it's right because for a long time, because it was so denied with mm -hmm. the cult, um, you just weren't allowed to engage in it at all. You can't even think about it. Even mm -hmm. the thought of it is bad. So it was denied for a long time, and then I finally got it, and then I lost it. It, it was such a deep desire and need that it was almost desperate, mm -hmm. and yes. I didn't know how to be alone. Like yes. I had a function by myself. I was so incredibly lonely and I'm still incredibly lonely oh, and yeah. I don't like doing life by myself and it's hard mm -hmm. to be a single mother on alone, but mm -hmm. I know I can do it. Right. And, um, and I know it's survivable and I have family that helps. So, um, mm -hmm. that, that's a new strength that I found in myself after um, dating for a while. Is that it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's nice yeah. to have somebody, but it, it's not worth having the wrong yeah. somebody. Yeah, exactly. The desperation has left because um, there was some serious level of desperation, which I think fed into me getting with my ex that I threw all caution mm -hmm. to the wind that he was. He said he was a Christian, but he wasn't. Um, and I, I threw out a lot of the red flags, too, because I was so desperate to. Right, because you feel like the, finally somebody has given mm -hmm. me interest and it you know, fits the box of what I want at this moment, you know, yeah. whether they were lies or not, which a lot of my stuff was lies too. Yeah. But it was like, 
you know, yeah, you know, it's I'm desperate to get this married thing on. I was much younger, so I could have waited a lot longer, you know. So, yeah, and the only thing my parents told me about my ex when we were getting married is that um, they they didn't think the timing was right. Ah, yeah. And so that was it. I mean, but then there was other people in my life who were like, no, this is not good. No, this is not good. But they weren't, you know, fundamentalists. So their opinion didn't matter as much because they really didn't understand us as fundamentalists as it was. So I did not take their warnings Mm -hmm. seriously. So I had a lot of people give me warnings on him a lot and I didn't listen to them. I was pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. blind. I felt head over heels real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, what are you going to do if nobody's ever shown you interest? Of course you are. And also I think my brain was still functioning in the, in the fact that I was supposed to be a wife and a mother. That was my job. That, that was what the cult had always said that was my purpose. So you wouldn't so have been fulfilled otherwise. I would not have been a true woman if I did not do those things. Right. And I was almost 30 and I thought my chances were done. Yeah. So I was losing my opportunity. Yeah. And I couldn't find a good Christian guy. So, you know, this guy was willing to take me. So why not? Um, so at that, point, <laughs> at that point, it was the desperation. Well, he's tra- he t- told you he was Christian, so you know. Yeah, well, kind of. Like, and yeah. I, I uh, made excuses for that one too. He did. Oh, he said yeah. he, he said he believed in God, but mm. I could never get him to say salvation or anything like that, or when he had know. been saved or anything like that. But he, he told me what I wanted to hear. You accepted what he his answer too. I accepted his answer too, but also yeah. he had I pressed further. Mm-hmm. He would have told me whatever I wanted to hear. Um, True. Just knowing yeah. what knowing um, what he told me later, because when I did press for answers for other things, he just made up stories. He just, yeah. I mean, the he literally believes his own lies to himself. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, everything <laughs> everything was <clears throat> made up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we have sufficiently. Um, Beat it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Covered this topic. Um, yes, yeah. We hope that our um, tales have of caution have, you know, <laughs> helped you to make wiser decision than we have. And some of our uh, dating woes and successes, <laughs> I hope, have taught you. I will, I will end with this. The best way to find a good partner is to find out who you are first. Yes. If you do not know who you are, what you want, what your goals are, and and comfortable with who you are, you're likely going to fall into the trap of somebody that's not right for you. You'll morph to what they want or mm-hmm. what you think they want because I've done that several times. You have to really know who you are. And also I would say if you're just starting dating, make yourself some rules. Um, mm-hmm. like you only go to coffee, not dinner the first mm-hmm. time, or you call a friend or a sister and you tell them I'm going at this set time and, and then check in on me in 30 minutes after the date time, just mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm safe. So don't go on a date without anybody else knowing where you are and, or what you're doing. Um, and then you have an escape plan if it's yes, not going well and the person doesn't have to say anything and you're like, Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go such and such. I have a family medical emergency. You know, then you have an, ex- you know, like yes. call me 30 minutes into the date. If it's going bad, I have an escape plan. 
Yes. Yes. So have an escape plan. Make sure somebody knows where you are and what you're doing. And uh, uh, I don't remember what the third one was, but anyway. Yeah. um, Learn them as you go, but just, you know, those are basic ones. Yeah. Today's day and age do not meet anywhere but a public place. Yes. Drive yourself. Yes. Drive yourself. Absolutely. It took me a while to learn all those things. Some things my sisters told me because they had been dating uh, longer and before I started dating. Um, cause they got out faster than I did, but, um, and some of them, I just learned by <laughs> mistake. <laughs> like, Oh, that was, could have been dangerous. That was stupid. <laughs> maybe I should have, maybe I should have not, maybe I should have driven myself or maybe I should have told somebody where I was. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a trusted friend, location sharing is very good. Yes. yeah i mean just keep yourself safe out there and um if you have any specific questions that we did not answer please leave them down below we're gonna probably do more lives in the future so we will have this to go through in the next live if you're not able to join us you can leave questions if you have anything specific to dating courtship just leave them down below and we'll address them the next time we dip our toe into this topic. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And we hope that you will return next week and join the rebellion. Y'all have a great night. Bye. Bye.